Thank you so much, Grant. Appreciate the encouragement that is and the reminder that is about how God works. And, you know, the truth is, we just, some of the things that's happening this week, you know, us finding a building is not the most important thing in the world, but we can trust God at the right time. He's going he's gonna to answer. Bridge kids, we're going to let you go and go to your classes. Thank you so much uh, for joining us for worship today. And uh, I think it's kind of exciting. Next week, we're adding the uh, third grade and up um, back to our regular schedule. And I appreciate our Bridge Kids team leaders so much. They have helped us navigate uh, through COVID. And it's just kind of an ongoing thing week by week. And I appreciate all that they do. So today, uh, we continue with our series in Proverbs, and uh, it's about wisdom, which is really the art of skillful living. And today, we're going to learn from our words, uh, because uh, speech, uh, we communicate with language, and we talk a lot sometimes, and it's really important, and we're going we're to focus on that today. Megan Phelps Roper grew up in a Kansas-based church, Westboro Baptist Church. There might be a few of you know about that church. It has an extensive reputation, and it's not always about representing Christ well. For, for Megan, it was normal for her to stand on picket lines with her church growing up. This was just how they did it. And they had a worldwide reputation for their radical approach in voicing their opinions. They have picketed funerals of fallen soldiers because of their stance on the war. They publicly have celebrated natural disasters and tragedies as judgment of God on wicked people. Uh, Growing up, Megan learned to hate gay people and transgender people and atheists and Jews and uh, Mormons and Catholics and Muslims, as well as many Christian denominations. However, in 2012, she began to have a heart change. And it happened on Twitter. Who would have thought? Um, she learned through Twitter where she ranted her views week by week, and she would engage people to argue. Then some of the people she was engaged with on Twitter started coming to the picket lines to meet her and to talk with her. Uh, she began over time to see these people as just regular human beings. And it began to change her attitude and the way she talked. And the tr people treated her with kindness and dignity. And she knew she, she didn't really deserve it. She said it took time, but she began to doubt the very lifestyle she'd had embraced growing up. She decided, a very hard decision, she decided to leave her church, but she didn't leave Christianity. 
Uh, it meant leaving friends. It meant leaving family. She was ostracized. And it was a very hard thing to do. But she began to understand for the very first time, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a, but a, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It started to soak in. And when she reflected on her past involvement with Westboro Baptist Church, she wrote this. She said, I remember this path. It will not take us to where we want to go. We have to talk and listen to people we disagree with. And I wish, I, and I will always be inspired to do so by those people I encountered on Twitter. Apparent enemies who became my beloved friends. They came to me with pointed questions, tempered with kindness and humor. They approached me as a human being, and that was more transformative than two decades of outrage, disdain, and violence. That's a pretty amazing change. Question for us, have you learned that a gentle answer turns away wrath and that harsh words stir up anger? Megan Phelps Roper was learning wisdom, the art of skillful living. And that brings us to, to our first point this morning. Our words can hurt people or they can help people. Our words can help people or hurt people. So do you want your words to help others? Or do you really want your words to hurt people? And you can say, well, it depends on who it is. Are you sure about that? Um, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18, uh, the writer says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Reckless people, people who sometimes just spout off in anger. Sometimes they respond without thinking. They speak harsh words that cut to the quick, uh, like daggers, like wounding with a sword. It's, it's like gouging people with words. They cause pain and discouragement. The tongue of the wise, the speech of the wise, they, it can bring healing. It can promote healing and recovery from hurt. Um, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Now we talked about how Proverbs are uh, written in a form of a parallelism where they have two ideas. Here's an example of an antithetical parallel parallelism, meaning they're opposites. On the one hand, you have the soothing tongue. On the other hand, the perverse tongue. We have the ability to provide soothing speech, or we have the ability to crush someone's spirit. This is really powerful in our homes, in our marriages, in our parenting. We have the, we have the power to soothe and to bring healing. We also have the power to crush a spirit. And you know, that happens a lot in families, doesn't it? 
And sometimes uh, people grow up in families where they're not encouraged and where they've sort of been criticized and, and, and shamed, and they really ha- don't know how to encourage others. But, you know, as adults, we can learn. And, you know, we can start changing our, our speech patterns. In a 2016 research study, researchers found that when doctors spoke rudely to their medical team, now I know we have quite a few uh, people um, in the medical community here at the bridge, and I don't know if you found this to be true, but when, when doctors speak rudely, both accuracy and performance suffered significantly. Medical teams exposed to bad behavior and nasty comments demonstrated poor diagnostic and procedural performance compared to teams who weren't exposed to this incivility. Researchers wrote, simple rudeness has has robust implications on medical team collaboration processes. Rudeness and lack of kindness undermine people's ability to think clearly and make good decisions. It steals confidence and weakens motivation. You know what? This is true in the family as well, isn't it? Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 21, the lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense. Antithetical parallelism. We have a potential to nourish. Um, Think about this. Think about the power of the tongue. to to promote life. Uh, We can even share the words of eternal life through our speech. We can add value to people's lives by what we say. And sometimes we just don't know how important it is. We just sort of think like, well, it's not that big a deal. It's really not going to make that much difference. You know, besides, you don't want to build up somebody too much, right? You don't want to you know, overstate their, who, who they are, what they've done. Um, but we don't, often don't know the impact of a compliment. In a study in the Psychology Bulletin, researchers asked people to approach a same-gender stranger, so men to men and women to women, and offer a sincere compliment. And people were really uncomfortable with this, to go up to a stranger and to compliment them about something. Uh, And they expected that their compliment would be received in a negative way. That's what they assumed, but they were wrong. Uh, They underestimated how flattered, uh, how happy, and how pleased people were to receive a compliment. They overestimated how awkward or annoyed their recipients would feel. And one researcher wrote this, we should think about how we would feel with a compliment. A few kind words go a long way. Proverbs 16, verse 21. So we're just kind of doing a survey of wisdom uh, in this series. I know we're covering a lot of scripture, but sometimes we just need to be reminded how much wisdom is in the book of Proverbs. 1621, the wise in heart are called discerning, and the gracious, their gracious words promote instruction. Wise people are discerning. Wise people are 
critical thinkers, but they are not critical people. Wise people use gracious words, um, kind words, words that cut people some slack, that are not judgmental. Um, sometimes we're afraid to be kind because we, again, th this is pretty funny, but in our early marriage, you know, I came from, I grew up in, you know, it was all about football and it was, you know, it was the Vince Lombardi area, uh, era. Ron Kramer uh, was a lineman for the Packers. And when he was a rookie, um, Vince Lombardi was just all over his case. And just the first week. And he just criticized him for everything he did. And by then, uh, Jerry, Jerry Kramer was ready to quit. And so at the end of the first week, Lombardi comes up to Jerry Kramer with, on the bench with his head down. He tousled his hair and said, someday, son, you're going to be the best lineman in the NFL. And he, he, he proved that in, in that time period. Um, I grew up with that. Don't give out too many compliments. Just once in a while. I tried that in marriage. <laughs> it's true. I didn't want Sue to think, didn't want her to get a big head or anything like that. But I can learn. I can learn. Um, gracious words promote instruction. They provide role models. They make learning easier. Um, I, I remember reading about a boy who was having trouble at school, and uh, he was, you know, continually not following his teacher's instructions. And so the teacher uh, got a hold of the parents and wanted them to come into her office and, and to meet with her. And so parents came in, and the dad sat there with his arms crossed, and, and he said, well, what's wrong now? And uh, the teacher decided to give him a list of 10 positive things about their son. And they were just really surprised and taken back. And... And then he, the, the dad said, well, what else? And she said, that's it. And they were kind of flabbergasted. But they went home, and dad read the list to their son. And he was so surprised. But there, a change began to take place in their son. And when he went to school the next day, he began to see himself differently and he began to try to live out those positive things that his teacher had noticed about him. And it had a revolutionary effect on his life. Proverbs 18.8, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. The words of gossip are like choice, choice morsels. You know, they... They can be attractive to us. They make us curious. We, we want to know more, but they affect our hearts. And that's what the writer of Proverbs wants us to know. It can influence what we think of other people. And it may bring us into passing gossip as well. And gossip impacts the heart. It goes down deep. Proverbs 27, verse 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. 
Wounds from a friend. We don't like that, do we? Wounds from a friend is when sometimes, you know, and this is where words are appropriate, appropriate sometimes to admonish one another. That's what the, what the Bible says, that we can admonish one another in love and it, out of relationship and out of friendship because we care about the, the well-being of that person and knowing that you're a Christ follower and by sharing this, it's going to help you redirect and grow as a Christ follower if that's what's needed to take place. Um, so at times, we may have friends speak the truth in love. And they may offer inside and correction, and it may hurt at first. It feels like a, a wound. But if we pay attention, we can learn. Because uh, perhaps so often they're right. Because sometimes we have blind spots. Um, the Bible just assumes there will be times when we need to admonish one another. And I'd have to say, this is a pretty significant weakness in the church today. People are often afraid to admonish one another out of love, to, to be, have the courage, because, oh, if I do that, they'll, they'll think, I'm, I think that I'm perfect and I got it all together. No, none of us. We're all sinners. We, none of us have it all together. But we can help each other. On the other hand, an enemy, someone who doesn't really care about us, they can be deceptive. And um, here uh, the writer says they multiply kisses. Well, the, uh, I don't think we have too many guys multiplying kisses to other guys just out of the social setting. But the idea is that they're showing affection and it's, they're deceitful. And it's not what they really think because they, they're doing a cover-up. They don't really care. So... Remember, our words have the power to help people or to hurt people. Secondly, our words must be guided by wisdom. The art of skillful living, our words need to be guided. And we need to develop wisdom. We've talked about this week by week. The art of skillful living, it's about experience in life. You, you, you know, you don't just come into this world with all kinds of wisdom. Uh, you need some help along the way. It includes having a desire to walk with God because remember the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's about taking God seriously. It's about learning God's word. It's, it's about learning to apply God's word to our daily lives. And, you know, we just don't come with all that in place. It's a process. And we kind of invest a lifetime in it. We're, we're all at different, different places. Proverbs 10, verse 19 Sin is not ended by the multiplying of words. People like to talk, don't they? Especially when they get into an argument. And multiplying words is just keeping, keeping it going and adding to it and, and proving all this information you have that you're right and they're wrong. And by the way, I have one more argument and I'm just going to nail you with it. Sin is not ended. In fact, sin can continue. I found myself at times, uh, I appreciate Bible knowledge and have been blessed with my fair share along the way. But sometimes I've gotten into uh, discourses with people and I just want to nail them with truth. 
You know, I just want to hammer them. Every verse I can think of to prove that they're wrong. That's not wise. Sometimes it just plain hurts. Um, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. The prudent, and these are the wise, they learn that sometimes it's just best to hold your tongue. You don't have to have an answer for everything. Um, Just because you can think of more things to say doesn't mean you should say it. Proverbs 11, 12. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Um, Whoever derides their neighbor, that's about putting neighbors down with humor. Uh, Webster says it means to make fun of, it means to laugh at or scorn or have contempt for or to jeer or to mock. And I think one of the things we have today in society that's classic is sarcasm. I have a lot of experience with sarcasm, too much experience with sarcasm, but you can say things sarcastically. Sometimes they're funny, and they're they kind of two-ended. And when somebody is sarcastic, sometimes you're not sure, which, which did they mean? Was that to hurt, or was that just funny, or what? And um, I used to like to do that, because, you know, kind of cool, I thought. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense. That's what God thought. Um, Good humor doesn't hurt people. Um, Sometimes it's better not to speak, even if you think you have a funny thing to say. Proverbs 16, verse 23, the hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent and their lips promote instruction. Wise people are guarded by their hearts that are set on pleasing God. When they speak, they promote instruction, they promote good advice, and they promote learning. Proverbs 17, verses 27 and 28. Wise people, excuse me, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Whoever has understanding is even-tempered. And uh, this is the kind of thing that comes with maturity, uses words with restraint, is even tempered. Doesn't mean you can't be a passionate person, but you don't always have to let your passion out all the time. Um, They are not know-it-alls. Now, one of my favorite verses in Proverbs is verse 28. Even fools are thought wise if they kept silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. And so sometimes I look smart because I don't say much sometimes. You can too. The danger is, is when we open our mouth and then people can see how foolish we are. Proverbs 18, 6, the lips of fools bring them strife and their mouths invite a beating. Now, this can save our kids some heartache. And if kids can learn this along the way as they grow up and as they face peers, it can be quite helpful. Um, Foolish people get into trouble with their words. Sometimes they feel like they just must speak out because they're right or this is, they're totally just. And, um, but sometimes they get into situations where kids will beat them up because of their mouth. 
Um, and maybe your kids won't run into that. But uh, the sad thing is, is kids like that grow up to become adults. And they just want to spout off and they don't care what other people think. And they, that's why we see a lot of bar fights and uh, street fights and alcohol just plays right into it as well. The lips of fools bring them strife and their mouths invite a beating. It's pretty simple. You know, we can pass this on to our kids and they can learn to read their culture uh, with wisdom. Proverbs 20, verse 19, a gossip betrays confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. And some people just like to talk too much. They like to talk about others. And they might say, it's not harmful, it's just the truth. Kids need to learn that not everyone should be trusted. And sometimes adults need to learn again that not everybody should be trusted. Sometimes adults are pretty gullible in their relationships about thinking this person, I can share my heart and I can tell all these things and, you know, they love me. I don't know, maybe they do, but soon they're passing on information that you thought was confidential. And, you know, our kids can learn that. And we, we need to know it as adults. So we find our words can help or hurt people. Our words uh, must be guided by wisdom. Lastly, number three, our words will be accountable before God. We'll start with Proverbs 3, verses 33 and 34. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked. And it can be an eternal curse. If, if nothing changes, it can be an eternal judgment. But he blesses the home of the righteous. That's so good to know, know, parents. God will bless the home of the righteous. He, that is God, mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. He, he mocks proud mockers, those who overestimate themselves pridefully and they make fun of others. But, but God shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. Um, God has your back when you're humble. First uh, Peter chapter 5, James chapter 4 said, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It's his favor on the humble. You know what? I want God on my side as much as possible. However, I'm not always humble. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, the Lord detests uh, lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. He detests people who lie. He detests lies, but he delights in people who are trustworthy people to be trustworthy you have to be truthful you have to be honest you have to be a person of integrity you have to have faithfulness faithfulness is following through on the truth and your commitment to follow god um and and these kind of people are people that you can trust 
And God delights in people who are trustworthy. Question for us is, is that you? Are you a trustworthy person? You can teach that to your kids. Jesus reminds us about our speech in Matthew chapter 12 and verses 34 through 37. And Jesus says these words. He says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Um, What's down deep inside is, is the source of our speech. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. A good man, a good woman, brings up good things from what's been stored up. It takes time. It's been stored. It's been embraced. It's been taken in. It's, it's taking in wisdom. It's taking in God's word. It's living in a way of trusting God, storing up. It's not just an instant piece of information. A good man brings up good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So it's about the heart and what's stored, what is being stored in your heart? What are you filling your heart with? Because that, that's going to affect your speech, your thoughts. Next slide. Jesus said, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That's pretty strong words. That by, by your words you could be condemned because what we say is proof of what's in our heart. There are 72 different muscles that help produce speech. Did you know that? I bet we have one or two people in the room that know that. 72 different muscles. On the average day, we speak 16,000 words. But you have to average that for male and female. You know, men don't speak 16,000 words a day. And I remember early hearing more like a woman speaks about 30,000 words a day and the typical man about 5,000 words a day. That might be, at least you come up with an average. So in a lifetime, we speak about 860,300,000 words. And what will all these words and these verbs and these nouns and these adjectives and these sentences say about us? What will it say about our, the condition of our heart? And one day we're going to know. And one day we'll stand before God and we're just going to know these things instantly. A prayer for us, and I want to close with this. It's Psalm 19, verse 14. The psalmist writes, May the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, my, my thought processes, what do I think about? Where does my mind go? Um, what am I attracted to? It, 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 it deeply affects the heart. And here's a prayer that God will help us with our words that God will help us with our thought life 
and may it be pleasing. Because it's, it's easily distracted and it's easily to drift. And here's a prayer to come back to it. I want to start fresh. The words of my mouth, my thought life, the meditations of my heart, may they be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's stand for prayer. Our Father, today we've uh, covered a lot of information in the Proverbs about wisdom and about the, the impact of our speech. May we continue to learn and to grow about uh, wisdom and having the art of skillful living and learning about the impact of our words on others, how we can help or how we can hurt. May we continue to seek wisdom. And uh, God, we just want to recognize that we know that one day we'll stand before you and we'll be accountable for our lives. One day we will come before the judgment seat of Christ. If we're Christ followers, if we're not Christ followers, it'll be the great white throne judgment. But we are all going to give an accountable accountability for what we said, for our words. And Lord, give us a fresh start today with our words May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Help us to align uh, with your Holy Spirit, and may we be empowered with, with his strength. For G Jesus' sake, and in his name I pray, amen.